Chapter Twenty Four of Maybe Tomorrow by J. Little. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kurt Troutwine. Chapter Twenty Four. It was misting rain when Paul Boudreaux emerged from his favorite bar. Flashes of lightning illuminated the sky for a brief second, then followed distant rolls of thunder. A cloud, hitherto unseen, came upon the horizon and hovered like a dark hand before a face. The whores, pimps, queers, and tourists had taken to the many bars and restaurants, leaving the usually busy Bourbon Street practically deserted. Alone with its many electric signs, reflecting on wet stones and drooping awnings, cabs kept busy by whistling people splashed down the street, and those who whistled in vain returned behind doors, doors that they had emerged from, doors that kept inside the loud disturbance of blaring instruments and shouting. It all went on around him concealed and unnoticed raining again paul murmured watching the drop splatter against a lighted street lamp wish dusty wouldn't have been off tonight a cab pulled up and the driver asked cab no thanks paul replied without looking won't cost you nothing no paul looked into the dark front seat gaston he cried i didn't know it was you how's everything how's tricks good tonight where you going can i take you now thanks i'm just walking paul said you'd better get some cash customers tonight may not be raining tomorrow so what hop in not tonight gaston thanks thanks anyway want to be alone sort of okay paul i'll see you come up soon and i'll buy you a drink you know the address i'll do that bye bye gaston's a good joe he thought maybe i should have gone with him We've had a good time together. He's nice. Oh, well, some other night. He shrugged his shoulders and, from under an iron balcony, looked down the street. His eyes searched it bit by bit and section by section. It all seemed dismal and lonesome, almost as lonely as himself. Where did you come from? he questioned, looking down at the large slabs of slate. Did you really come from France? Who brought you here to this miserable street? What things have happened to you? over you did the cart that carried the queen to the guillotine roll over you or were you still buried happily in the deep earth they beamed back at him and looked almost alive glared in wet changing colors they were secretive and silent as they had always been they would not tell their past to anyone why should they no one would believe a stone could talk all had been drinking for hours but the wonderful glow that always came that glow that made him forget had also forsaken him. He plodded patiently through the rain, and his old life was spread out before him, and the walk before him stretched like a sheet of silver, placid under the lights, like a lake undisturbed by wind or storm. No waves would come to ruffle the stream water, no bulk of cloud, wind driven from the gulf, obscured the clarity of this pale sky. The different doors, verandas, signs were all part of him all around were things he had lived with as a child and a young man he looked at a certain red door and remembered the older man who had lived there it was such a long time ago and now he wondered what had ever become of him what did happen to gay men as they grew older what happened to those that did not have the normal fulfillment of love and companionship and sometimes even when they did he thought of jean limbeau alone and old now did jean deserve this this way of life that had only doom for an ending. He must have had lovers, many of them. In fact, he had known several. 
but today he was alone too just like himself and because his memories were so cruel and unpleasant paul's eyes filled with tears his mind was a series of days past and of days to come rain can play odd tricks upon the fancy even upon a dreamer's fancy and as he walked hushed and sad he thought maybe some old aunties are happy and content maybe age does things to you at least i've got money and money is important to one growing old real important to a gay person he looked lost and puzzled his normal expression dying away from his face as though swept clean by an unseen hand and in its place a mask had formed a sculptured thing formal and cold handsome still but lifeless the smell of beer and rubbish made him look skyward and the kiss-like drops felt good on his uncovered brow his thin sport shirt stuck close showing his upper physique and his cut-out sport shoes sopped up water from the puddles and trenched on broken slabs making each step remind one of rubbing taffeta he was not aware of his appearance he was aware that he had known fear and loneliness and very great distress on this very street it all carried him back to his past with such force that he seemed to be reliving it again something inside him wanted to be carried back to the days when he was happy when the city on bourbon street had been beautiful when he had lain on his bed and watched his lover coming toward him hey look out fellow he stopped quickly coming from the past to the present but he was too late he had collided with the couple with such force that the girl would have slipped and fallen if her companion had not quickly caught her paul's confused and halting apologies brought forth a flow of cuss words from the girl but his face was so sincere that her anger died down as quickly as it had flared that's okay honey she said we shouldn't have had a newspaper over our face took it for granted that people would see us it's our fault she turned to her companion damn baby did you have to grab me here she rubbed her breast you almost ruptured me baby she laughed i'm gonna do more than that when i get you in bed baby her companion grinned then he winked at paul in a you know what she is manner you are are you she said come on then i can hardly wait he looked at paul with a subtle change in his eyes the indefinable something that lingered there momentarily said something personal to himself with which she had no concern as if he had preferred paul's companionship to hers another horror with a trick thought paul he grinned back at them her companion looked so young so good-looking he would have liked to have shaken hands with him say i'm paul boudreau and i'd like to buy you a drink he had done that before but only when they walked alone he sort of respected whores they had a tough life too even though he felt the boy would have gone with him he would not interfere no whores didn't have it easy either he started to walk and wondered as he did so wondered what happened to prostitutes when they got old two men in gaudy suits passed with a cunning grin they glared at paul and one said i don't know whether he's one of those queers or not kind of looks like one i don't give a damn if he is or isn't i'd like a fling with him he looked at paul and said ha want some company fellow paul only glared back at them and walked silently on beat your gums you hop-headed bastards he wanted to say i'm not that hot up thank god i'm what i am and not like you sex sex and more sex isn't there anything to life but sex he kicked at the sidewalk he walked a long time down bourbon to st louis street on which he turned he looked into antoine's 
It was very busy, but did not hold any interest. He thought of Café Lafitte on Bourbon and wondered if he should go back to it. He thought of Dusty and wondered where he was tonight. He was on Royal Street before he realized it. In fact, from this very spot he had seen Gaylord come down those steps across the street. He stared at them as if expecting a reappearance, but a short, bulging male had taken Gaylord's place and was now waddling to a waiting cab. The door closed and another person was gone. Paul gave a sickening little laugh. What a difference appearance makes. What a difference age. The separation of the moment was heartbreaking, for he was certain Gaylord had gone from his life as fast as he had come into it. Why should he assume that Gaylord would come back? After all, it had only been a pickup, and he had had many of those. They never came back, and when they did, it was only for one thing. It was only to end the same way as before. Someday, one of them would get tired. One of them would want new fields to conquer. This love begun would soon end. Paul looked up at the tall white hotel, and when his eyes focused on what he thought was the room in which he had spent the night with Gaylord, an idea occurred to him. He would stay in it again. Tonight, in that room, he could relive a wonderful moment in his life. It wouldn't be the same, no, but it might help clear his muddled mind. The room was dark, and a dark room meant vacant. Most times it did. Yes, it would feel good to sleep in the same bed again, and relive that night. It would be restful tonight. He moved away from the restaurant, crossed the street, and mounted the hotel steps. He looked around. No one was watching him, although there were many people about. He was conscious of his wet clothes and tried to free his skin from the sticky shirt. He took out his comb, ran it through his hair, and moved again toward the revolving doors, informing himself he was doing the right thing, knowing that above him he might perhaps find solitude and comfort. He murmured the name Gaylord, and even the thought of the couple that he had bumped against, which had been on his mind, was forgotten. So were the names of past lovers and friends. On entering the lobby, Paul made his way over the carpeted floor. He spoke to several bellboys, busy with bags and bundles. He grinned at the porter, busy cleaning over run ashtrays. He noticed the crowd, busy getting reservations and checking out. They never stayed in one place long. They were always coming and going like his life. Nothing was permanent. He crossed, walking between and around the milling figures, to a desk marked Sightseeing Tours. Paul, the man behind the desk cried, how good to see you. They shook hands. Kind of wet, aren't you, kid? Hi, Grova. You'd be wet too, Paul grinned. Don't you know it's raining outside? Is it? Grover pulled out a chair, smiled, and looked in Paul's face, said, sit down, honey. I just had mad sex before I came on, so I'm pooped. I wouldn't know if it was sleeting. Yes, I guess I would too, for I'm sure I would have fallen flat on my ass coming to work. I guess you would have at that. Grover handed Paul an open package of cigarettes. Smoke? he asked. Paul took one, and so did Grover. He sensed something was wrong. How's it going, Paul? They looked at each other between a thin screen of smoke, and Paul said, Fine, then added, Grover, find out if 1210 is occupied, will you please? If it is, I'd like to have it. I'm so wet, I'd hate to go to the desk and ask. Sure, Paul. Grover turned to the phone on his desk. Just a minute, I'll ask Charles. He picked up the house phone and flipped the cigarette ashes with his finger. He studied Paul, began to wonder. That something was wrong, he had no doubt, but why did he want 1210 when he had such a lovely apartment? 
No, twelve ten was occupied, but he could have twelve eight. He told Paul and added, How about twelve eight? Now, Paul said quietly, It's got to be twelve ten. Sorry, Charles. Skip it. Thanks anyway. Grover hung up the receiver. Why in the hell do you want to stay in this dump when you've got a dream house to go home to? If it was mine, I don't think I'd ever leave it. You would too, Grover. It gets kind of lonesome alone. Well, honey, this isn't the Follies Bajer. It's dull as hell here tonight, Grover sighed. I'm sorry, Paul, that I couldn't help you. Did you make a date? Was someone going to call you in 1210? Piece of rough trade. No, Paul grinned. That's really nothing. Thanks anyway. Grover gave a quick snap. Oh, I remember that cute thing you stayed all night with at 1210. That kid from Texas. He waved his wrist. He was a doll. Every time he passed, my heart stopped. I tried to talk to him several times, but he knew how to avoid me. Guess he could read my mind. He was cute. Real cute. Yes, he was. Oh, I've seen some just as cute. Not like him, murmured Paul. Have you heard from him? asked the pale Grover. Paul shrugged in the chair. No, I haven't. Guess that's why I'm so low. Now don't let that one get you down. I knew there was something wrong the moment I saw you, but I had no idea you had fallen for that kid. You've had one-night stands before. Now haven't you, and they were just for the evening. What you need is someone. Someone new. Go out and find something. I wish I didn't have to squat behind this evil desk. I'd go with you. A new face always peps me up, and the bars must be gay tonight. Think so. Think that's what I need? I know it is. Why don't you go over to the Green Parrot? Is it still open? Is it? Grover threw a hand on his chest. It's madder than ever. Absolutely mad. They've got a bunch of drag queens working, and the trade just flocks there. Sounds interesting. I love drag shows. Wish I could go with you. Not as tired as I thought I was. Grover laughed and flipped the cigarette into a tray. It's so hard to meet someone you want to be with. I generally get the type that either wants money or one-night stands. Grover's mouth popped open. Oh, hell, I wish you'd been here earlier. There was the best-looking John here a while ago. Real manly and very nice. Just the type you're looking for. He came up to me and asked me if I knew some girl who would have dinner with him and then go to some club and dance. Just out of a clear blue sky, he pops up with this. I started to tell him I'd leave any time he wanted to. I decided I'd better not. He looked and talked so serious I wasn't sure just what he did want. Grover took a needed breath. I suggested Rosie. You know Rosie. I didn't think she'd look like a whore. Do you? No. He asked me what she did, and I told him. He didn't want a whore and didn't care what she'd look like, he said. I told him she was very attractive, but no. No whore. God, he was handsome. Just my type, too. Just left before you came in. He must have been something, Paul exclaimed. I've never seen you like this. Honey, he was a bitch's dream of heaven. Maybe he'll be back. You might try tomorrow, as always tomorrow. Paul rose from the chair and patted Grover's drooped shoulder. Thanks. I hope you get him, Grover. He started to leave, but Grover hung on to him. Wait, he grasped. I think that's him. It is him. Grover was breathless. It is. That's him over by the door. See? Paul saw him, and his heart beat furiously. For from that distance, he could have sworn he was looking at Gaylord, an older, sophisticated Gaylord. He looks like gay, doesn't he, Grover? A little, only better. And he's here. 
Go on over and let's see what happens. I'm so excited. Grover let out a soft high giggle. Go on, Paul. Get him. Oh, go on before he leaves. Should I? You should. You better grab him before some other queen sees him. He won't be free long when the vultures see him. Wouldn't you hate to see some whore get this gorgeous thing? You know what they say about men, and I think he's willing. If he don't find someone, he'll turn to a whore. I know the type. You've been carrying on over that asshole Arnold long enough, and this kid from Texas is too sissy. He'd make a good sister, but who'd be the husband? What's wrong with me? Get you, girl. I knew you win. Go on. You're only young once, and I say when love calls, answer. If you have to hogtie them. I guess you're right, Paul grinned. Guess I could stand a pickup after what happened last night. Well, here goes. I hope he doesn't talk with a lisp. If he does, I'll kill myself. He doesn't, honey, Grova said. Then he screamed softly. Fly, girl. He just left the lobby. Fly before the bats get him. And Paul walked rapidly out of the hotel, leaving a nervous and grinning Grover. End of chapter 24. Recording by Kurt Trotwine.